can tell you what's happening. I guess, well, actually, <laughs> actually, we're not going to do anything. I'm going to tell you what's happening. There's going to be no me. It's just going to be I. So I am going to tell you what's going down here in just a second because I know you listeners out there have been wondering for the last couple days, what is the future of the podcast? You're going to find out in just a moment. But first, for the people out there who are living under a rock and have absolutely no clue, for the people that don't know who I am, I am handsome Nick Costos. I am well-dressed Nick Costos. And for over a year, I have been the best part of the show, the most talented part of the show, the guy who's pulling all the strings behind the scenes. And if anyone's got a brain that's been listening to this podcast for the past year plus, you can tell when the rent is raised and the rent is raised when handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos is on the podcast and when he's not, the damn podcast isn't as good. And if I'm being candid with you, if Handsome Nick can be honest for a second, if Well-Dressed Nick can be honest for a second, there are a couple of other titles that we can add to the ledger. So he's going to do that now because he's not just handsome. He's not just well-dressed. He's also best-looking, Nick Costos. He also makes the most money, Nick Costos. He is drives the fastest car, Nick Costos. He is the man that men want to be and women want to be with, period, end of story. Handsome and well-dressed Nick, do you know what else he is? He's petty and he's insecure. Do you know why Nick Costos, the man, decided to add the petty and insecure stuff? Because it adds layers to the character. And I'm not insecure at all. The man Nick Costos is not insecure. In fact, I was reading an iTunes review recently about the show, and one of the moron listeners was, was writing, I love handsome Nick. He's confident and sad at the same time. Whoever wrote that, I got you. Because I did that on purpose. I wanted to add those layers, add the complex character. I'm not petty. I'm not insecure. But that makes you like me more, and it makes you want to listen more. But here's the truth. The man himself, Nick Costos, is a lot less complex and a lot more simple. I'm kind of a cold, calculating dude. It kind of hurts me to say that. I don't like to say that out loud too often, but it's, it's honestly, it's honestly the truth. Um, handsome and well-dressed Nick is, is a character, an exaggerated character really based on myself. And it's not that I'm egotistical. It's that, that I just, I just know that I'm the best. And that's just the fact of the matter. And this is all going to be explained in, in, in the moments to come. And, and in addition to, to being cold and and not insecure and completely at peace with who I am and the talent that I have and what I bring to the table, I don't let anyone, anyone pull any BS on me. And when that happens, and when a person decides to do that, I will wait and I will be patient to exact revenge. So if you'll allow me, of course you will, because <laughs> it's my podcast now, um, I'm going to speak for a little bit as Nick Costos. Not as handsome Nick, not as well-dressed Nick, but as the man himself, Nick Costos. So you all know that I have a million responsibilities on, on CBS Sports HQ where I'm on more than anybody. Geez, you turn on the damn network and it's basically an infomercial for my smiling face because they get it. Now, as we have talked about on the show a couple months ago, I'm in negotiations for my new deal and looks like it's going to get done. Um, and again, this is where handsome and well-dressed Nick comes into play. The money that pays for my expensive clothes pays for my expensive car because I'm the best and, and I deserve the best things. And, and CBS agrees because they're smart. So my boss actually said to me, um, 
you know, we really like you on in this corner. And I said, well, here's the problem. I can't watch wrestling because I'm doing all this other stuff. And, and honestly, as I've gotten a little older, wrestling become the second or third love for me. I'm just a much bigger sports fan. And they said, you know, we really want you to do the podcast. So I said, look, you know, I'll consider doing the podcast, but um, you're going to have to pony up to do it. And they went back and they hemmed and hawed a little bit. And then they decided to kind of, to kind of make it happen. And they came, you know, we can, we want you to be the face of the podcast. We like Brian Campbell and Brian's talented. And I don't disagree with that. I think Brian is talented. He's just not as talented as me. And they said, we want you to be the front man. Do you want to still work with Brian Campbell? So you remember when I said that I will wait to exact revenge? Um, the last time I was on this podcast, I was asked by Brian and Adam to come on and I came on and Brian decided to, because I disagreed with him in some ridiculous argument about SummerSlam, he really kind of made it a little personal, said that I wasn't talented, of course, rooted in jealousy because he knows he'll never be as good as me in any regard. Forget about talent. He's not as good looking as me. He doesn't make as much money as me. I wear much nicer clothes than he does. And he could never, ever dream of being as good as me for one day in his entire life. So I said, yeah, I will. I'll front this podcast, but I want Brian Campbell off of it. I don't want to work with the guy anymore. I had no problem working with him if he hadn't pulled that amateur act. And just because I don't really care anymore because it's my show now, you know, we all used to get along pretty well. At least me and Brian did. I never really liked Adam. And I feel like a lot of you probably feel the same way. You know, me and Brian used to get along, but it was really obvious as time went on that he was really jealous of my ability. And that's why I didn't come on as much because he knew that I stole the spotlight from him. So I'm in essence saying that he's the man whose name is on the marquee, but you all know whose name is on the marquee. And it's me. It's Nick Costos, period, end of story. So they caved because I'm a star. So this is my, this is going to be my podcast now. And I don't really watch wrestling as much as I used to. And I don't really have the time to, but let's be honest, right? I'm, I'm good enough at this whole talking thing that I'm going to be able to pull it off. And, and you're going to love it because, because why wouldn't you love it? Right? Because I am the absolute best because handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos is the best mic skills in the business. And that man that decided to pull the BS on handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos, Brian Campbell. Let me tell you a little something about Brian Campbell. This is a man who could not live with himself because he knew that he was not the most talented person on his own podcast. And Brian Campbell, buddy, this is the first time that I'm saying this out loud because my boss has told me not to say it to you off the air, but I'm going to do it now because I've got the security to do it. You wanted to tell handsome Nick Costos that he's Marty Jannetty and he's not Shawn Michaels. Well, guess what, buddy? You know who you are? unemployed. You're the guy that just got fired. You're Enzo Amore. You're Big Cass. And I'm a star. I'm the star out there in the ring. You're damn right I'm Shawn Michaels. I'm the showstopper. I'm Mr. WrestleMania. I am the man that people pay to watch. And the people, when they click that subscribe button and the listen button, I am the man that they come to see. It's not you, and it's never been you, and it never will be you. And and he is so pathetic listening to the two of you. The two of you on Sunday night. Do that terrible instant analysis podcast, because without Handsome Nick, you guys can barely get through a sentence without bumbling all over each other. When they don't even really know what's happening but brian campbell still thinks because he's a relentless optimist because in re in truth he's a 16 year old girl trapped in a 40 year old man's body he's a relentless whiny optimist who even with with the bullet pointing towards his head and the gun at his forehead still refused to accept the fact that his podcast was going away and you got that moron the silver king basically 
brushing it off. Yeah, we're going to have a year-end award pod. Well, now you know. And I've really enjoyed. Handsome Nick has really enjoyed over the last 24 hours as the realization has started to set in. When the Brian Campbell finds out his podcast is being taken away from him and he may be fired from CBS in totality. I don't know what's going to happen there. Maybe they'll keep him on MMA, but you will never hear. Never hear over handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos' dead body, over my Canali suit, over my Zenia ties, over all of it. You will never hear Brian Campbell on this podcast ever again talking professional wrestling, period, end of story. Because he is the one that's petty, and he is the one that's insecure, and he tried to take it away from me. And he still couldn't accept reality because he never accepts reality. And that's why he's lost the podcast. And I've taken great pleasure. Handsome and well-dressed Nick can't tell you how much he's enjoyed it. And even when the Silver King, when he finally, because he's the last and important and who cares, when he finds out and he starts sending off those really sad tweets and he's starting to realize that his 15 minutes of fame have come to an end. And it just fills handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos with the most unbelievable joy and pleasure that one could possibly imagine. So again, for Brian Campbell, because I know you're listening, buddy, you will never, ever be me. This will never, ever be yours. And to the Silver King, who I actually want to give a little bit of credit to because he's a lot smarter than, than you would think listening to him on this podcast. Silver King kind of maneuvers behind the scenes, right? Like, how do you think it, it, the podcast was Silver King and, and Brian Campbell to start? Silver King's not a professional talker. He finagled his way in there because he's a backstage politician. And again, he's pretty good at it. And for those of you that watch Game of Thrones, he's like Littlefinger, Silver King. He's really good with the backstage machinations. But here's the big between Silver King and Littlefinger. Littlefinger's smart. You don't see through Littlefinger when he's pulling these tricks. Unfortunately for the Silver King, we see right through him. So he's not really Littlefinger. I guess he's more like Varys. And there's been a grapefruit shortage. King's Landing. Isn't that right, Adam? Hey, now. I, yeah. I, guess, I guess the difference, though, is Littlefinger's dead, and I'm still here. Well, you, well you, you, for, for now. For, and, 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 and so, yeah, so CBS was like, yeah, we want, we want to have some continuity. So I said, you know, Brian can't be on the show, so we'll have the Silver King be on the show, and the Silver King is going to be like my sidekick. And, he, and don't worry, because I know you are worried, you, the person that's listening. He's not going to talk too much. So don't worry. He's going to talk very little. He will basically serve to set me up. Um, so, you know, I haven't decided yet, but I can tell you that this thing's going to be, it's going to be great. And like I said, I don't watch the product as much as I used to, but I'll be able to get my way through it because I know wrestling better than Campbell and Silverstein combined. And I'm a better talker than both of them combined. So, uh, so Adam, um, what's our first topic on the, on the new edition of the podcast here? Well, I guess we'll, uh, you know, we can start with that raw shakeup, you know, Vince McMahon making his. Stop. Really no, no, first... this is way, this is kind of the way I'd like it to go. Cause this is not like, this is not even footing anymore where you feel like you can kind of push Brian Campbell sure. around. You can't do that to a don't, don't speak. You can't push around a real star. You could push around Brian Campbell. It's not going to work with me. So you will address me as Nick, Nick, this is the topic. Go ahead, Nick. Okay, Nick, this is the topic. Raw shakeup, uh, supposed shakeup with Vince McMahon returning to television. Go ahead, Nick. Um, I actually it didn't get to see much of Raw because I was watching Panthers and Saints um, Monday Night Football. Great game, by the way. Saints won twelve to nine. New Orleans probably going to clinch home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs, and I think Ron Rivera is definitely going to get fired by the Carolina Panthers at the end of the year. And can you please shut down Cam Newton? Like the guy clearly, clearly does not have it. So. 
Raw was kind of secondary to me on Monday night, but I did catch on replay like half of that opening segment. And it just kind of seemed like more of the same to me. Like you're going to Vince and Stephanie and Shane and Triple H. Like what's new here? Like, like what are they doing to really hold my attention? I guess they didn't. That's why I was watching the, the Saints and the Panthers. So I was not a huge fan, Adam, of the McMahon family coming back to Raw. So yeah, that's, that's what I have to say there. So that's, that, that's the analysis. What about, uh, what about something from Tuesday? Well, I mean, are, are we just okay? Uh, so Nick, next up, Nick, uh, the McMahon family also showed up on SmackDown. You had Vince McMahon making his first appearance on SmackDown, I think, since Kevin Owens gave him a headbutt. So, what'd you think of that? Um, I, I actually didn't see the uh, what them coming out on SmackDown, but I do know that Ian is the champion on SmackDown now, and that he's turned heel, and I think that's pretty pretty damn cool. Like I've been excited for a heel Daniel Bryan for a really long time, and I read um and I read that he had a great match with uh, with AJ Styles um at the last pay per view. So I'm hoping that they keep the title on Daniel Bryan for a long time um in this heel role, maybe build to a WrestleMania match, maybe turn the Miz face heel Daniel Bryan against face Miz. That's something that I think would be would be really cool. What so- what else do we got? Well, are, wait, are we not even going to keep like the same format? We're not going to do the main event. We're not going to do anything like that. Okay, relax, relax. Um, um, let me think. Um, I, I guess we can still, I, I don't want to keep like too much of it because it's going to be like, and we'll figure, and again, like this has all happened very quickly here. So we'll kind of figure it out as, as time goes on here. But I, for, for now we can, we can hit, we can do the main event. Yeah. You all bought it. You all You guys didn't really think I was going out like that, right? I had y'all all fooled, y'all a bunch of puppets. I mean, come on, seriously. I got a lot left in the tank. Nick, hit us with the intro. Welcome into the State of Combat Podcast. This is the Professional Wrestling Edition, and it is with the Brian Campbell. Now, me, I am handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos, and handsome and well-dressed Nick. He spent much of the last 24 hours thinking about how he was going to try and pull that off at the beginning, going in and out of character as dastardly, cold and calculated Nick Costos, then back into handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos. And while handsome and well-dressed Nick Costos has had to watch a lot of football because it's football season, football season's almost over, so soon he will be back. And yes, I am petty, and I am insecure, so please follow me on Instagram at the Costos because I need your likes and your validation to get through the day. And as always on the State of Combat podcast, I am joined by my tag team partners. First up, He is a man whose heel-to-face turn can only be compared to the macho man Randy Savage at WrestleMania 7. He is a man that was once so reviled by both myself and Brian Campbell and the audience, and he is now so beloved. He has become a folk hero. He is essentially the macho man celebrating in the ring. Unfortunately, he doesn't have his Miss Elizabeth. Not yet, but in time, that will happen. They're crying in the stands. Somehow, someway, against all odds, he has turned face. He is the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now. And as always, I am joined by the man whose name is on the marquee. Come on. He is the icon. Let's go. He is the main event. Bring it. He is the showstopper. One time. He is the whole effing show. Stay hyped. He is the bod that runs the pod. Here we go. He's the mast that guides the cast. It's time. You know his name, damn it. He is 
Campbell. Oh, yeah. BC, tell them what's on the State of Combat podcast. Nick, thank you very much for returning. And listeners, I know you're probably thinking, what the hell is going on here? Was this just some big joke? Here's the deal. Yeah, we did a little pro wrestling with you on a pro wrestling podcast, but uh, real changes needed to be made for this podcast. The ITC is out. The state of combat with Brian Campbell is in. Why? I guess you're thinking and asking. Well, Silver King, what did uh, what happened to the old uh, those brothers in wrestling? The uh, other yeah. tag team there. Let's just say the Young Bucks are not the only ones in the world of professional wrestling that might get a C and D from time to time. So we kind of had to make a decision. Yes, the future of the podcast was very much on the ropes. But the good news is we are back. We are better than ever. We are rebranded, fueled, of course, by that same magic potion, the untraceable, the unmistakable performance enhancing audio. But I do want to say one thing, Nick Silver King, I'm sure you'll agree, you'll agree. This whole little mini episode of what happened to us from Sunday night, me legitimately saying, guys, this is the final ITC wrestling podcast with things going on behind the scenes, legally and corporately, legitimately, by the way. I didn't expect the outpouring of love that we ended up receiving from many, many tweets, DMs, text messages, emails, and even phone calls of people not only wanting to know what happened, not only offering their services, or even offering their money. Saying, look, guys, we'll put you on Patreon. We'll write letters to our to your senators and your bosses. This show matters to us. We need it. We want it. And guys, if they say you never really find out how much you're loved until you're dead. We kind of had this mini eulogy. It was not expected. This was not a trick to force that out of you. But thank you very, very much for that. And kind of, by the way, I did bring the return of Nick Costos from from his hibernation of uh, tanning beds and uh, swiping right and uh, making a lot of money in Stanford, Connecticut. Nick, welcome back, brother. It, it, it's definitely it, it's awesome to be back. And, you know, the last time I was on as Bry, um, you and I kind of got into a little bit and uh, um, never really resolved it. But, you know, when you reached out to me this weekend and you were like, hey, like I've got this idea, I'll never pass up the opportunity to do good business. And we did kind of have to throw this together last minute. This was not something that we could really let marinate, unfortunately, because there was actually real legal stuff behind it. So um, hopefully, you know, that was that was pretty good. And uh, and and always great to be back talking wrestling with the, the fans of the ITC. Um, and I really appreciate all the support from them as well. So always great to be back. Yeah, honestly, guys, like two things. First of all, everything I tweeted was actually true. So nothing I nothing you read from me was a work. Uh, you know, it was all real. Number one. Number two, as the one of the three guys, you know, on the show, at least today, who, you know, is not normally on television, does not normally do radio and podcasts. You know, I, this is I waited in I waded into a part of the industry that I was not experienced with previously. So I was extremely flattered by the outpouring of affection and all the nice things you guys said in your tweets um, means a lot and lets me know that, you know, I think I'm doing something right here. So happy, extremely happy to be here. State of Combat with Brian Campbell. And BC, where do we go from here? Uh, we keep giving what we're given, and that's uh, the performance-enhancing audio. That's this over-the-top show that we love to do. Really, not much is going to change but the name. 
well, maybe we'll be doing some more instant analysis podcasts if we can keep reaching that threshold. I mean, you know, you want well, if to- they keep giving us pay per views like TLC, I think we can. I mean, if the people want to get to five hundred reviews on this show, we can do a Wrestle Kingdom instant analysis. We can do a uh, you know Royal Rumble instant analysis. Hey, it's up to the fine folks. But again, guys, we tried to take a bad situation and make it good. We hope you enjoyed it. We are back better than ever. And uh, Nick, uh, I-, I think it's only right that uh, y- you give a real life update to the fans. We know you've been in and out of the wrestling product. We know you've moved your life to Stanford, Connecticut, home of WWE. Also, the new CBS Sports HQ branch in, in East Coast residents or-, or Northeast Coast residents, whatever you want to say there. Uh, how's the swiping, Nick? How's the new the new uh, condo? I mean, what's happening here, bro? You know, I I, I have no complaints. Um, I get paid a good amount of money to do a job that I really love, and I think the product is great, CBS Sports HQ. If you'll allow shameless plug, you can watch me on Sportsline, which is our fantasy gambling show. So if you bet on games, you play fantasy, this is the show that you have to watch. Absolutely free. Tons of experts and me as the host, and I know what I'm talking about, too. Um, weekdays, 6 p.m. Eastern on CBS Sports HQ. Saturdays leading into whatever the big games are, whether it be college football bowl games, NFL playoffs, college basketball on CBS. And then Sundays for the regular season NFL at noon, giving you all picks for games and then throughout the postseason as well. Um, I'm loving my life right now. Um, loved my time in Florida, but I'm home now with family and friends. Like you said, unfortunately, and I think, People kind of know, like, I really love, I love wrestling. I can't watch it that much because I'm working at nights, really, and Monday night football and all this. So this happens to me every year where I have to check out a little bit, not because I want to, but because the job kind of necessitates it. Once football's over, like the regular season's over, I'm locked in from Royal Rumble season basically through the end of SummerSlam. So looking forward to more appearances on the podcast yes. and uh and yeah, it's, it's, I appreciate everything, and I have I have nothing but good things to say about the network. Love the network, and hope people check it out, and and hope you like it. Again, on all your connected devices, CBS Sports HQ, um, just sports without the nonsense. Really good stuff. You can find him on uh, Instagram and Twitter, and slide into those DMs, ladies. Oh man, have there been any sliding on the in in, uh, in the Northeast? I know it's cold out. Maybe it's cold outside. Like like in the past half hour? Yeah. Like oh, wow, 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 wow. <laughs> Maybe you set up a new consummation station in the new apartment. See, I thought you were up at the wall up there in uh, Stanford with all that snow and ice. No, thank God, thank God, no, no. So, by the way, did you like the uh, the Game of Thrones line, Silver King's Landing, because he's got no balls? I thought that was decent. Anyway, um, yeah, so yeah, no complaints from yours truly. All right, we want to get, a, if you got a couple minutes, I'm sure the fans would love to hear your couple big picture opinions on things that have been going on. Nick, have you been following this Becky Lynch as... Steve Austin 2.0 or Conor McGregor 2.0 or maybe Becky Lynch 2.0, what she's done with her character, what she's done with her career, arguably the biggest story in wrestling in 2018. I, I, I've loved it and I have been keeping up with it and I did see I had it on second screen while I was watching uh, the uh, Rams and Eagles on Sunday night. So I was watching I did watch the pay-per-view or most of it. Um that, that triple threat ladder match was absolutely unbelievable, the TLC match. And I thought it was a great booking call to put Asuka over, and I love the Ronda Rousey inclusion at the end. I actually thought Charlotte was the star of the match, and and it's kind of crazy. I texted a buddy about this, and and this is like not meant to be like a sexist comment, like, wow, like I can't believe women are doing this great stuff. It's just crazy to think that, like, and for maybe a little fans that are a little older, like I'm, I'm in my mid-30s, 35, to think that if you had 10 years ago, or even five years ago, the women not only are going to main event WrestleMania, but are far and away the best thing on the show. It would have been something that no one would have thought would have been possible. So it is kind of crazy to think that, wow, not only are like they're going to main event WrestleMania, but it's going to be the thing that we're most excited for. Like this Becky Lynch, Charlotte, Ronda Rousey storyline that's going on right now is the thing that I am most into right now in WWE. It's been awesome. 
I think you just nailed it. I mean, Adam and I, I mean, by the way, this year-end award show is going to be a thing that's going to happen. Adam and I were starting to compile the categories, the nominees. And uh, Adam, uh, when you look at our nominees for match of the year, there's not only an insane amount of women's matches, they might all win. I mean, this has been in, this has been ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, legitimately looking at it, and you know, I'm not going to give it away, but you know, I think we're going to do three finalists for each one, and there's a legitimate shot that all three finalists for WWE Match of the Year main roster are women, and really, and that's not just like it's crazy. That's match. That's match quality too. And when you think about the fact that they actually occurred over different pay per views as well, spanning the course of the year. You know, it's just really impressive. But Nick nailed it. You know, a lot of things that we did say on the, the TLC show and really those kind of progressed this week, which is good. It didn't just stop there. They're moving forward with it. Nick, where do you think is uh, Becky Lynch's ceiling? Can can she be given the space in booking to actually become a have like a CM Punk type run, actually become well, a thing that's just like n- almost non-scripted, that's next level? We always fear that they'll hold people back and water them down. Do we have we seen the best of Becky Lynch 2.0, or do you think this is only the beginning? I think here's the thing that's going to hurt Becky Lynch, and and they have to do one thing, like period, end of story. And they can have a match at WrestleMania, and they should with Becky Lynch and Ronda Rousey. They have to be kept on separate shows because Becky Lynch, the man character, cannot exist on the same show as Ronda Rousey because Ronda Rousey is going to be the face of the company, and she's one. Why obviously they got that big deal at Fox. So I think that's the big concern, right? Is that if Becky becomes almost too big and bigger than Rousey, it might actually be bad for WWE's business. So I think that's the one concern with Becky Lynch is that Ronda's always going to have to be the star. Like Becky can be the man and she can be great on SmackDown, but Raw, I feel like, is always going to be Ronda Rousey's show. And I think that's the only concern with Becky Lynch. And but she's ha- great. And they have to do it along with keeping Charlotte in there and happy and important and sometimes above them and sometimes below them. But they actually have three people in the women's division that they need to, you know, figure out the machinations with up, down, and around. And, and look, and you can and throw Oscar in there, too. You could throw Oscar in there as well. Very true. Yes, uh, that's true. Nick, one topic we talk about a lot on this show looking forward, looking ahead, is the reality that Fox paid a whole hell of a lot of money to bring SmackDown to national television live on Friday night starting in October of 2019. Uh, you know, the dreamer in me, the optimist, wants to believe that what this will create is we're not only entering the third boom period in, in our wrestling lifetime because of what's going on in the Indies, the revolution, ad nauseum. But how about an in-house one, Nick? The idea that two competitors within the same company, NBC, which owns Raw, NBC Universal, USA Network, and Fox, which is going to own SmackDown. Do you foresee a future in which WWE is going to be the best it has been in many years, not just because of the competition from the revolution, but the idea that, like, look, if they're going to be on national television, they got to bring it. Well, I, I actually am kind of, like, I gave that half-hearted answer before. That was kind of done on purpose. Um, I am kind of enthused by, you know, I didn't think the segment was great, and I did watch it, the opening segment of wasn't like anything like like it was mind blowing, but the message was good, I think. And I and I kind of want to have a jury out type deal here and see what they have cooked up over the next couple months. I don't know if we can answer that question until we see how things develop because it does feel like at least maybe it's just in the storyline, but it does kind of feel like they know the product has really sucked and it's their fault. So I'm I'm willing to give it a couple months now, now that they've kind of acknowledged it on the air to kind of see where it goes. And I am actually Brian in your camp kind of a dreamer at this point and a little cautiously optimistic. All right. And when you said 
Dreamer. Uh, you weren't talking about Tommy. Were you talking about this guy? If you lose, hmm. I get to shave your head. No. No. Yeah, no. We're, we're, make, we're making wrestling podcasts great again. Yeah, um, uh, well, one other thing, I, I'll give you one other thing because I do have to do an NFL podcast coming up here. Um, I am excited for Wrestle Kingdom, but doesn't it feel like there's like no hype around the event this year? Like last year, like we were all pumped for Okada and Naito and of course Omega and Jericho. The Omega Tanahashi match is going to be like a million stars. It's going to be great. There's no hype around it. Like nothing. One's talking about Wrestle Kingdom. I agree with you. When Adam and I uh, broke down last week when the final when the card was finalized, it's an embarrassment of riches. The card is so damn good. But you're right. If they failed one thing revolution-wise, even with the advancements NJPW has made to try to get a bigger foothold in the U.S., they're still not grabbing U.S.-based wrestling fans to be aware of what's happening. You have to go out of your way to find it. It's not hitting you in the face on Twitter, Facebook, or whatever at this point. Don't forget, last year was it was Jer- it was all built around Jericho. So they got all those new subscribers, all that new interest for Jericho. Now Jericho's been there. Every time he shows up, he's basically doing the same thing. That doesn't mean it's bad. It's really good and entertaining. It's very but, good, yeah. But but we've seen him do the same, like dress up as someone else, attack someone with the clown face paint. You know, we've seen him do it five times now. He's going into a match that we're like, yeah, it's great, but it's not him against Kenny Omega. And this card, like you said, BC. It is stacked. It might be like NGPW's best individual card ever, and no one is talking about it. That goes to show everything you said is true. Nick, what do you think in closing here, because we got to let you go, about that March card or April card the night before WrestleMania 35 at the damn Garden MSG when Ring of Honor and NJPW join forces for you know this giant card and WWE has moved NXT TakeOver from Saturday to Friday so it doesn't have to compete against it. That's taking a knee right there, right? That's like, hey, there's 45 seconds to go in the half. We could throw the bomb or we could just take a knee and make sure we don't throw a pick. I got to tell you, I haven't really thought about it to that extent. Um, what I have thought about it as is less in a business thing, like from what WWE's perspective and more from selfishly, my perspective, it's pretty awesome because I'm going to be and I'm going to go to every event. And I think we'll probably go as a group. And um, I don't know if I'll sit next to you, Bri, but maybe me and the Silver King can sit next to each other and have a beer and then talk a little bit. You're going to need to get out of some uh, CBS Sports HQ well, Final Four responsibilities for that. So best of luck, Nick. Well, we'll yeah. see. But Nick, that is a fair point. I do want to say publicly because I said it on our podcast after our little and look, it was an unfortunate dust up a few months ago. It went too far, blah, blah, blah. I didn't get a chance. Yeah, but, but I mean, but like not on my end, though. Well, I know. And I didn't get a chance to say it to you on the air because I said it on the air. I didn't get a chance to say it to you. What the people don't know is, we, you know, we've patched things up behind the scenes. Obviously, you're on the show. I've made a couple of appearances well, on CBS Sports HQ, you know, previewing big fights. You and I had the chance to work together. We were professional. I do want to say again, I don't know if you heard that episode. I'm, I'm sorry. Look, I went too far trying to kind of do a joke. It got serious. I meant what I said in that moment about the Gennetti and the, and the Michaels, but look, in hindsight, look. Uh, but you understand that, like, you meant what you said. That would be like me saying, like, the sky's red and saying that I mean it. Like, well, I'm obviously not Marty Gennetti. I'm just, I just want to be humble and say I was wrong. I was wrong to do that on the podcast. I should have, we should have done that after. And I was upset that you took Adam's side on something that to me was such a no-brainer. And um, I just thought you, I thought we were aligned. I guess you will, wrestling-wise, and that was a moment where I where I was I was upset. All right, and I, and I took it out the wrong way. And I and I honestly thought you were an adult and not a child to get upset over like a like a thing like a worked thing on a podcast. Like I took Adam's side, like because a because I agreed with him, and b because I thought it would make for 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 great audio. And, and you kind of 
it was really weird how it, how it turned out. It and like, I, I, I appreciate, and here's, you know, I'll always do business and I'll always be professional. And I have a lot of respect for you, Bri. So like that, what, what I was saying to start about, like, you'll never be as good. Like well, you're we were just ha- good. you were having fun with that. I get it. But I just like, want you're, like, you're, 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 you're very good. Right. But like, here's the thing now, right, buddy. I kind of meant what I said about the man who I am. And I don't really take crap like that. And you even just confirmed it and said that you meant it. So I'll come on the podcast and we can, we can, you know, hang out at WrestleMania this year and stuff um, as coworkers. Um, Cause I have, I do have honestly a, a lot of respect for you as a talent. I think you are a tremendous talent, incredibly entertaining and smart and passionate and funny. You're a great coworker. We do great business together, but as far as outside of the ring, or outside of this medium, this podcast, as we call it, not really interested. Um, Cause I may respect you as well, a worker, like, I, dude, but I, I, I don't really respect you as a man anymore. Sorry. So that, that's just it. And it, and that can be the end of it. And I wasn't going to bring it up. We were going to skate by it, but you want to make a half-assed apology to me on the air months what? after it happened. I mean, dude, give me a break. Come on. It was the right I'll still do apologize. your podcast, but I mean, come on. It was kind of funny, like playing little wrestling game to start the show like this little you know it was kind of fun yeah, but, yeah, but it's yeah. fun because i'm because I'm, I'm really good it was just fun having you back though I, I apologize that happened on air shouldn't have uh just know that you know we're gonna keep working together at hq it's we've we love the fans love you we want you back on the show nick okay so cool so keep working together but do me a favor like stop texting me like hey like raw was great last night i don't really want to talk silver king you can still text me but i'm not really interested all right then uh did he hang up is he off he is off all right. Well, um, <laughs> we had it. Uh, look, we like we said at the top, we're always real with the people, and uh, some of that was real, some of that wasn't. Obviously, we you know we had fun with you off the top of the show, but uh, almost losing the show was real. And uh, just so Nick knows that I know and that the people know, uh, him trying to get his way into hosting behind the scenes also was very real. So just let, <laughs> let, let that, you know, we had fun with it. We, 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 you know, we did a Vince McMahon and took a real life angle and made it fun. But, uh, this whole joke of the in this costos thing, that's not, not really a joke, but, uh, as you can see, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. uh, yeah, we, this is already off the rails, but, but Adam, we're it back. Is. The state of combat is strong right now. We are back. Uh, where do you want to go from here? What are we doing here? Yeah, and if you guys don't think, I mean, listen, I was legit teasing that for weeks. You guys should have, why the hell am I saying the phrase state of combat on this show three weeks in a row? If you guys, I mean, come on, I, there's, there are plenty of Easter eggs. There are plenty of tweets. You go back and read them, you'll understand. But BC, we do have the business that we've chosen to get into. But before we do, a quick word from one of our friends of this program. All right, we're back. And BC, you know the sweet sound I want. Hit me with the main event. <laughs> All right, now we teased it, obviously, with Nick, but let's talk about it for real. Here's what went down this week in WWE, and we're going to start with Raw. Um, You know, they promised us Vince McMahon coming in to shake things up on Monday night, and, you know, I'm going to take a beat from Nick, because before we even start and get into it, I know you and I were both disappointed with that announcement, and we will talk about it. I think it is fair what he said, which is, you can't expect everything to change immediately and you also can't expect it to change right before the holiday when they're taping an episode so while with with the caveat that things may need time to shake out monday night at least for me the announcement they made the lack of clarity in that announcement was a disappointment what about you 
I'm right with you. And I've had a lot of people come on my timeline in response to my raw recap this week on CBSSports.com and just be like, look, you got to give it time. What can you expect? I, I, look, I think that's enabling them. And I'm not saying I'm I'm 100% salty. Every, you know, Sunday night, everything was great. And Monday and Tuesday, it's awful. No. Yes, I do think to a certain degree you need time. But if it's like wait through the Christmas holiday, then don't launch it before the Christmas holiday. Because here's ultimately the deal. When you promise Vince McMahon, you're promising a lot especially coming off arguably the greatest pay-per-view of the year. So when he comes out to open Raw, it's like we're getting right into this. And then you get Steph, Trips, and Shane. And then they're a unified front. Adam, this is what you and I said off the air. If they would have followed that speech with anything but what happened, if they would have followed that speech with Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch, do you realize the roof would have exploded? We would have said, we, you know what we would have said? We would have said that a new era is starting because that's what the tease was. The tease was that Sunday was so great that that Raw certainly needs changes because it hasn't been great. So Vince is going to come back and shake it up. And what is the theme of that opening segment? Exactly that. We're going to shake it, flip it upside down. Hey, fans, you are the authority. All that cheesy stuff, right? So to it's anyone coming on my timeline and going, well, you got played because you thought that actually meant like a new era of major changes right away. Yeah, of course, because Raw had sucked for a while heading up to this. Of course I should have thought that was the case. Adam, we thought maybe we'd see the end of the brand split. We thought we'd see a lot of things. What we got was the worst pay-per-view match from the night before, completely recycled. And guys, that's unacceptable. I don't care that the rest of the Raw episode wasn't that bad. Maybe a C plus B minus, like pretty serviceable. A couple segments yeah. from Rousey yeah. to Ambrose that I liked, liked the final hour, liked a lot of it. But to come out making those type of promises and to then do the same exact thing from Sunday night with Baron Corbin, who already got his ass kicked by six guys and got their finishers the night before. And you're pandering to the live crowd by doing that again. And even though... Tuesday's episode of SmackDown was fine. I've got a fear right now. It was fine. Fine. It was great. Tuesday night of episode of SmackDown was, well, uh, that match was great. We'll get to it. We'll get to it. But here's my problem potentially with this. And tell me if I'm getting a little too nervous. Tell me if I'm not uh, hearing Jimmy like I should. What has been the problem with WWE the last, since SummerSlam, right? SmackDown, no problem at all. It's had a different feel and vibe. Raw and the pay-per-views for the most part, not counting Evolution, have had, and not counting Survivor Series, have had a problem. They've under-delivered, and it's because of Vince's booking style. It's because of Vince's sort of stubbornness. We hear every week there's a really bad Raw that once again breaks the lowest ratings record. We hear on Meltzer's rag that Vince rewrote it at the last minute. So Vince is the problem. Steph not being on TV regularly, Trips not being on TV regularly is the problem. If their solution is to come back and be themselves and say, okay, we're getting rid of Angle, we're getting rid of Corbin, we're getting rid of Paige, it's going to be us now. And they are themselves. That's great. But you know who they are when I say themselves? Heels. Interesting characters. Instead, they came back as pandering babyfaces who, yes, they blame themselves to a degree, but in storyline, they blamed Corbin when, hey, kayfabe only for a second, Steph. You appointed Corbin. 
You gave him the power and then you disappeared. It's your fault. So you don't just get to kick his ass for half the show and then we're like, oh, wow, Raw's back. So my fear, Adam, by seeing Vince on Tuesday night in that segment with The Miz, not act like Vince, but act like any other GM ever, right? The dialogue uh, he delivered I disagree. was I disagree. like was like power to the people. It was like any other GM ever. If Vince is on the screen, I need Vince. So I'm a little nervous that Vince said this. Wow, Raw's got really bad ratings. Wow, we have a problem. What are we going to do to change it? All right, we'll put ourselves on TV. And now I'm going to go over on Tuesday nights and mess with that show a little bit. No, Vince. Tuesday night does not need touching by you or Shane or anybody. Get off the damn screen. I'm a little nervous in that regard. Monday's opening segment was a failure. What's your thoughts? First of all, you just said so many things. I that, did. Like, I don't even know where to start. Like, I'll start with this. You are dead wrong about the Ms. Vince McMahon segment. That was classic Vince McMahon. It was fantastic. It was hysterical. That was great. And it was awesome to see Vince just randomly show up on a SmackDown. So I'm, I'm taking that out of the equation here. What you nailed was Monday night. You are a thousand percent correct. They, what they're trying to do is turn a shoot into a work. Okay, it usually goes the other way. All right, they're trying to make it make us believe that all the issues laid on the hands of Corbin and not Paige because they praised Paige on Tuesday, but it's all Corbin's fault and all this bad booking. Yeah, they took some responsibility, like you said, but they're also going to be the ones to fix it and you nailed the biggest issue, which was that the very first thing they did was in, it was repetition. And the biggest issue with Raw has been repetition. They could have done, like you said, anything else with that segment. What they should have done is said, you know what? No more absentee champions. We're stripping the title off Brock Lesnar, and we're going to hold a tournament to determine the new universal champion. It will be decided at Royal Rumble. Braun Strowman will be in that match, and the tournament will determine his competitor. Okay, that's all they had to do. If they wanted to do the Corbin segment again, all they needed to do was send out Heath Slater and have Rhino again. Why aren't they paying off the Rhino storyline? He's not fired in real life. You have Rhino come in, gore him. Heath Slater gets over on him. They pin him. You don't need Kurt Angle again. You don't need Bobby Roode. You don't need the tag team champions there. So you're right. All repetitive. But the biggest issue with all of this is what they're trying to say is we recognize that we are not doing things that you, the audience, wants. And we're going to give you the authority, right? So what they have done in, the, in these two shows on Monday and Tuesday is they completely, in every way, pandered to the IWC. What we want as fans, as smarks, if you want to call us that, is we just want to see that they're listening and that they know to put little things in here and there. For example... We want Andrade Cien Almas on TV. We want him wrestling in major matches. We want him to get a push. We want the same thing with Finn Balor. We want the guys that we like to be on TV. We want the Good Brothers on TV. We want Sanity. We want all these guys. What you don't need to do is put them all on TV in one week. They basically <laughs> just said, we realize that all these dudes that you like and, and women haven't been on. So we're going to put all of them on in these five hours this one week to make sure you get to see them so that you know we haven't forgotten and that we're listening to you. All they needed to do was work them into storylines here and there over the next few weeks on the way to Royal Rumble. Instead, they're just doing it all at once, being like, yeah, we screwed up. Here's everyone that hasn't been on TV. And everyone we haven't given a push that our faces, we're going to push them because you like them. It's almost, oh, they've gone overboard. They've gone the complete other direction where 
we still want the normal WWE storylines, but we want the people we like worked in. Now they're like, well, kind of forget all that. We're just going to give you everything we want. <laughs> yeah, we Come want watch our better storylines. That's what we want. I mean, like, it's fine to say uh, automatic title rematches are antiquated, but it's also kind of antiquated to say, oh, you want an opportunity? You're going to have to earn it, and your match starts right now. And you know what I hated was... They're doing what we don't like, interrupting that Corbin match to start Raw five times and each time adding a stipulation. And basically it became a Lucha Harsh Party Rules match by the end of it, which is exactly what we don't want. And I think my biggest point that I nailed is, why are they all baby faces? I get you want to come out and say, look, we screwed up. It's going to be different now. But you don't get to then be a babyface now and have Trips come out and, and get a big chair. Shane come out and get a big chair. No, you know what should have happened? Ronda Rousey should have come out and went face-to-face with Steph. And Steph should have acted like a heel, and we should have had that moment, right? Ronda Rousey should have come out, gone face-to-face with Vince, and slapped him across the face. Yes. Anything else could have happened. Literally, like, literally, like when, it, when it was Vince in the ring and Steph and Trips came out, I messaged you. I go, oh, my God, they're going to do it. I thought there was going to be a ceremonial passing of the torch from Vince to Triple H. That's what I thought. Then Shane came out, and I go, same shit. Like, he just knew as soon as Shane came out— this is going to go off the rails. But BC, like, that's the key. They could have done anything else after that announcement, which wasn't – it wasn't just that the Corbin thing was bad. The announcement wasn't clear. It was all just, yeah, we're going to do things better. We're going to listen to you. And we don't necessarily know exactly what that's going to be, but you're going to see new people and you're going to see new characters and just trust well, us. It'll be good. We, we see new Rather people, than tell us that, do something to show us that. I don't know. I guess my point is, like, am I happy that Daniel Bryan's WWE champion and he's a heel? Yes. Am I happy that Saddam Ali got called up? Saddam Ali. I'm, I'm in boxing in my head. Saddam Mustafa, Ali. He's a boxer. He fought on Saturday. Mustafa Ali got called up. Yes. Like, I'm happy for these little things, but I need – my change isn't – okay, my biggest problem as a fan – is not which wrestlers you're using. It's Correct. how you're using them. So please, WWE, if you change that, we are going to have a hot fire run to WrestleMania. And look, I know the WrestleMania run typically is really good anyway. You see the best promos. You see a lot of attention to detail in building the feuds. It, it's just if you're going to put those four people out there, the four kings, the four people of royalty, the family, the McMahon family, I'm sorry, as much as you may have enjoyed the Miz Vince moment on Tuesday night, it's watering down Vince in my eyes. Vince needs to oh, be who so he is, freaking dude. Wrong. He's a heel. He needs to be a heel figure. He's not somebody that you're going to reason with to try to get a match. I don't first want a dressing all, wait, room that says... All, for, first of all, Vince hasn't been a heel in years. Yeah, he has. He has no, he a hasn't. heel opposite. He was a face with KO, and he's been a face ever since then and before that, too. No, he was a heel opposite Roman Reigns. He was a heel... Uh, I don't know if I'd call that a heel. Are you kidding me? He got arrested in each in in no. He was certainly a heel. I, I'm not Roman was that. the one getting booed. But okay, point being point being, you're you're correct, and you stated it better than I did. It's not the people that we want to that we need that they're missing. It's the storylines we want to be booked better and paid off. We want what they do in NXT and throwing the Good Brothers insanity just into a tag team segment while it was entertaining. Yeah, Don't get it. me wrong. I, I did love it. By and. That. And I love the Good Brothers promo, too, being like, hey, we haven't been on TV for four months. That's changing right now. Absolutely. Great. You, you didn't need sanity there because you had the Good Brothers. Have the Good Brothers either pin the Usos or lose close, but at least they're back on TV and now they're going to fight for the titles again. So it's, it's the storylines and the booking that we 
We want more intelligence and more time put in to tell good stories and pay those stories off than it is just shoving guys that we like and women that we like onto TV. Yeah. And they did the latter on Monday and Tuesday. Now, how they closed Monday night, and we can get into it in a, in a larger sense, but just in it for for the, the sake of the concept, they closed Monday night by giving the last hour to the women in a series of matches that mattered, that there was a prize at the end. You know I'm always down for that, so that's great. What I would like to, if they really care and solicit my opinion, I'd like them getting away from, and the Good Brothers match is a perfect example, a match that you're kind of excited to see, and then you're enjoying it, and then it has to end in a smudge just because that's our what we do now. Can we have, like, run-ins matter again, right? I mean, can we have it, like, where it's not... Uh, now you're trained every week to expect a run-in on every televised match because you know that they ultimately want to protect the booking on both sides and do 50-50. Maybe we can get outside of that as well. But, look, Raw didn't suck. SmackDown didn't suck. I'm not here to to completely drop, drop bombs on them. We're just coming off of a Sunday night card that was amazing. Check out our instant analysis show if you haven't yet, breaking that hole down, the TLC show. Things are moving, looking up, moving forward. They're just going to have to keep winning me over on this idea that they do actually care. And I'm very interested to see how they strategically position. Because if the, if the bottom line is we get those four kings on TV more often, that's going to be a good thing. Every time Trips comes back, the rent gets raised. I just want the segments to matter. I don't want... Yeah. Vince, when Vince is on TV, it should be special. I want it to matter. If you just yes. need him to talk somebody into a match, get Vicky Guerrero for me. That's all I'm saying. Let's move on. I, I agree with that, and I don't necessarily want to see... It was cool to see Vince on SmackDown, but we do not need to see Vince's face every single week. What I would prefer to see is... I don't mind Triple H showing his face on SmackDown and you know, setting up a match or doing something like that. But the the follow through here, at least when it comes to SmackDown, and we'll go on, there's a lot more to talk about. But in terms of SmackDown, I personally believe that Paige has done in the role of general manager, non-kayfabe, meaning just enjoyment on television, one of the better GM jobs that we've seen from WWE in quite some time. And what they basically said Tuesday night at the start of the show, the very open, Shane raised her hand, said Paige has done a great job as GM. The entire roster cheered for her. She will not be GM anymore, but she's not going anywhere. Her, her responsibilities are just going to change. So what I'm wondering is, if they're not going to have GMs, okay, I'm okay with that. That's a trite thing of wrestling. What the hell is Paige going to do? Is she yeah. going to move into a commentary role? Are they going to start a women's show and she'll be the GM of that? I don't know, but you're right. That seemed like it was a move that didn't necessarily need to happen, right? There's no reason to get rid of her. I don't even think you need to get rid of Angle, you know, or you could bring in Jeff Jarrett or like, look, that's a role for a non-wrestler that seems to make a lot of sense. You get a lot of cheap pops, you know, they, they, their acting skills come into play in these backstage segments. It's going to be interesting to see what, what, what this means. Uh, are we going to see the four McMahons, the, the Helmsley McMahons? Uh, that sounds so outdated to say Helmsley McMahon because it is, but that's it. Just sounds so like three decades ago. Uh, Wasn't it the McMahon Helmsley era? Yes. Uh, yeah. It's. Are we going to see them in very important WrestleMania feuds? Like, is there going to ultimately? Is this going to lead to something? What happened last night? Right. I don't like. I, here's the thing. Like, they're so stubborn. I don't just trust that they that they sat down and said, "Look, the ratings suck. The fans are not happy. Let's." fix this i think it's more like let's use this right so i'm I'm, exactly correct i'm trying to figure out what angle this is and it'll be fun getting there of course because say what we will the four mcmahon helmsley's mcmahon's 
They they got it, man. They still got it. They're great, right? They're acting. They're everything about them is amazing. Their presence. So let's let's do something with it. And, and you can give credit to all of them, but the truth is, it's Vince. And Vince on TV, he wasn't great on Raw. He was great on SmackDown, and not just in the backstage segment with Miz, which I cannot believe you didn't like, but out in, out there with Charlotte and Becky and Naomi and Oscar, yes. he was funny there too. Vince, there's just no one in the history of wrestling that ever has been like him and no one that ever will be like him. That's how special and important he is. Um, but it was just great. The key though, is we don't need to see all of them every week. I think you include them when it's important, but what you said is correct. BC they're they're basically humoring us is what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they're actually listening. Cause if they were actually listening, you would do what I suggested and strip rock of the title, do a tournament like that. You would bring Pyro back. You would have had Pyro to open the show. I love Silver King. If they were actually listening, they would take all my ideas and use them. Well, not all of my ideas, man. Fans want Pyro. They want camera angles like we have in NXT and camera production, I should say, like we have in NXT and every other wrestling show on the planet and not with Kevin Dunn jerking seizure-inducing motions where every time someone throws a punch, the camera zooms in and out like you're going to fall on the floor and convulse. Is that a Kerwin thing or a Kevin Dunn thing? That's a Kevin Dunn thing. So if they were actually listening, those are things they would have done. They would have opened Raw with Pyro and fans would have been like, holy crap, they are listening. Yeah, you're but right. They're, but they're hearing – you know what? They're not listening, BC. They're hearing us, and that's the difference. All right. <laughs> I can There's hear lo- Jimmy. I can hear Jimmy. I got a question for you. What? What do you got for me? Is Paul Bear telling the truth when he says – that your mother was a whore. See, the, <laughs> that, that, that's the Vince I need. Okay, just, right. just to there, close that. That's the Vince I need. Thank you. Thank you very much. There's a lot more to discuss, and a lot of it has to do with this quote-unquote announcement and things that went down on Monday and Tuesday, but we'll talk about the editions uh, that are coming in from NXT, and I'll read them off, uh, and then we'll discuss them. So Heavy Machinery coming in as a tag team. Dozer, that's awesome. Yes. Uh, Nikki Cross coming in. Lacey Evans. Lars Sullivan, which we already knew about. And E.C. Three. So out of this group, I have two questions. One, who is the standout for you? Uh, and two, what do you think of the group as a whole? The group surprised me. I wouldn't have guessed these were the ones that would have gotten chosen. Like, I certainly see the com- the comedic potential in Heavy Machinery. I love me, Zabota Stosevich. Like, love it. I believe Vince could take a guy like Otis and make him into a Santino. You know what I mean? Like, and, and do something that matters, like, comedically. I'm surprised that they're called up right now. Same thing with Lacey Evans, who certainly has a main roster body, and I don't necessarily mean, but I do kind of mean, but certainly is just muscular, has a character that looks the part, has the confidence and swagger. Same thing with EC3. I thought both of them would have gone through the system a little more, had times with the title in NXT. Interesting that they got called up. I think Lars Sullivan could have an impact right away, and then he'll be a watered-down giant. But uh, look, on a whole, I'm really surprised by this, Adam, that they chose these specific individuals. I would have thought if it was going to happen, it would be Undisputed Era as a unit. It would be Alistair or Velveteen. There's a lot of guesses we could have put out there. Ricochet. Ricochet's so great, he could, he could go to the main roster tomorrow and be in a major feud. These were people that are now going to be brought in as bodies, you would think. They're not going to get monster pushes, you can't imagine, unless somebody like Lars is used as muscle for a, a big-time superstar. But I, I can't say I, I, I would have guessed any of these. You? Um, if I had to, if, if I was asked to project who they would have brought up, I may have gotten, not counting Lars Sullivan, so let's say one. there's four others. I may have gotten three of the four. 
So I was not surprised. And more importantly, I think they nailed it. Because while we do want Undisputed Era up there, yes, they're the tag team champions. While we do want Ricochet up there, yes, he's the North American champion. While we do want Gargano up on the main roster, he still has business with Ciampa. And while we do want Black up there, well, well he has a hold on. Takeover. Don't don't speak for all of us. You name some NXT people there that I don't necessarily want in the main roster because okay, they're so I, perfect. I'll say change we to I. Okay, doesn't matter. My point. I'm speaking metaphorical we, the, the royal we. Um, and while I would love Aleister Black on the main roster, he has a title match at Takeover Phoenix. So they brought up people who fit two categories. One did not have current storylines where they were in the title picture. And two, perhaps more importantly, are guys are guys and girls that will work on the main roster. These are people closer to Elias than they are Shinsuke Nakamura. That's fair. And you've seen what they've done with Elias. EC3 has that potential. I would love to see EC3 on SmackDown. He'd be perfect because you don't want him on the Raw brand with Elias and Bobby Roode. He has that same type of build and, and in-ring style, right? Nikki Cross, I told you on the instant analysis, I hope we get Asuka Nikki Cross for the SmackDown Women's Championship at WrestleMania. That's a hell of a match. Lacey Evans is made for the main roster. That's a Vince perfect pick. Addition. T- tell me, that has to be a Vince pick. Like, she is oh, yes, perfect for Vince. By the way, Vince, She's a- Vince no longer coloring his hair brown. He's letting it go gray. No, it's going. Yeah, that it's seems going a big gray. move because it was weird that Shane was not coloring his hair and Shane had gray hair and Vince didn't. But that's, you know how much he hates looking old. That's a big yeah. move for him. Shane really sweats a lot, by the way. Don't, I don't want to gloss over that. Uh, Lacey Evans is made for the main roster, made for Vince McMahon, made for Monday Night Raw. And Heavy Machinery, I would have liked them to stay in NXT, get a title run. Same with Street Profits that are over in Evolve now as the Evolve champions. So it's the tag team division there is a little bit strange. But the truth is they've been there long enough. They're entertaining as hell. I think they finally fully come into their own as characters. And I think they could really spice up the Raw tag team division. So what I'm looking at is five people, and we'll talk about the team as a single, that I think will totally work on the main roster and are really smart call-ups. In fact, the only one I think who probably won't work is Laura Sullivan, and that's the one that's been announced for a few weeks. Yeah, that's interesting. you you got to pair him with somebody who matters, and you have to let him not look bad. Remember right. how good they used Braun Strowman and the Wyatt family? He never was pinned, and he used to do that awesome choke move where he just like yep. he could lift anybody and put them out. I'd like to see Lars get that kind of treatment. Uh, was it was it our colleague Jack Crosby who slacked me and said uh, there's some rumors going around that Daniel Bryan could end up with Lars as his muscle? And the first thing mm. I said to that was brilliant. Personally, I'm down with that. Yeah, it's interesting if Lars doesn't have to talk. The key is you don't want Lars to talk. No. So however they however they succeed in doing that is fine with me. But there is more to talk about. They announced also on Raw, uh, in addition to new, the new faces, which are the NXT, there's a bunch of returning faces. Uh, and for Raw, they haven't been on TV for a while. On SmackDown, they, we did see them. We'll talk about SmackDown in a minute. But they announced the forthcoming returns of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. And I got to be honest, when I saw those vignettes, I was like, Oh, yeah, Sami Zayn exists. And then, oh, yeah, Kevin Owens exists. Wow. That was the range of emotions for me. I'm excited to see Kevin Owens back. Business picks up when he's on TV. He's great on the mic. He can carry storylines. He can work on the mid-card and the main event. But Sami Zayn, for me, he's great in the ring. I don't know that I need him. Wow. What about you? Um, the only thing I could say to that is... 
Thanks, Claudio. And your family. Wow, 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 not your family, but you personally. Dude, Sami Zayn is a heel, got reborn. He's amazing. Do you not remember the run opposite KO against both Styles and Shane? Love, love, love. I think he's perfect for Raw. I think he's a guy who does things on Raw that we want and need on the microphone. Love. Do you remember the feud before he left? Yeah, well, anyone feuding with Lashley is uh, is gonna look bad. Let's be. I'm honest. just saying, I think that kind of that maybe it's that maybe that screwed it for me. You but. got a bad taste in your mouth. Wash that out, all right? Wash it out. I am sick of boogers and bathroom humor and semen. So am I. So am I. Let's keep now, moving. Now to that same end on SmackDown, they didn't announce these people as returning. They just had them all return in, at once. Andrade Cien Almas in the main event. Let's save that briefly. The Good Brothers uh, yes. and Sanity. What did you think of that Good Brothers Sanity tag team segment? Uh, I didn't need a, a smash finish, but I loved everything about it. It was so good to see the Good Brothers, not just because I absolutely love them, and uh, and you should, and I'm sure you do, and anybody listening to the show has to realize how damn great they are and can be if they got the right push. Absolutely. You're damn right. They looked great. They worked great. Man... Uh, it's almost like if you tell me you can grab two people off the roster and send them to Japan tomorrow. I'm sending those two because I feel like they've never been properly used right. Uh, I mean, it's, it's been a long-ass time. Really, it has. Four months since they were on, just since they were on TV. It just makes no sense to me. I remember at uh, SummerSlam in Brooklyn, they did like yep. a .com exclusive segment where they were bellhops outside the Star. hotel. And it's like... That's all we're using them for. All right. Um, and by the way, our interview with them from WrestleMania weekend, I think, was the best one we did. Oh, yeah. They're great. They're fantastic. Great to see them back. I loved I loved seeing Sanity back, too. I, okay. You know what? I don't like smash finishes in that case. I got excited about that tag team division when I saw that happen. And look, that's been a tag team division that's pretty much dominated by the, the Bar New Day and the Usos, right? That's They're on yeah. SmackDown, right? Yeah, uh, the biggest the biggest mistake I, I've been saying this for weeks though was moving Bar, the best team on Raw, to SmackDown yes. and not giving them anyone back, and then they added Good Brothers to be with AJ Styles, and they added Sanity with the Superstar Shakeup from NXT. It's just there's too much. There's no reason those five teams should all be on one show when that Shakeup happens after WrestleMania. They gotta reorganize the tag team division because that's way too much talent. The Good Brothers should be in, you know. Title matches or, like, the next step in the tag team division every side. single week. Why Why can't we have the club? Remember we used to have the club in 2016? Why can't weird. that just be a regular thing? I don't think it waters down AJ. I think it helps him. I think it helps him a lot. Let's keep the club. Please. Thank you. I got a yeah. cough. Hold on. <coughs> all right. Keep the show moving. Let's do it. That's too much milk and marknesia for, for BC. Um, all right. We'll talk about the SmackDown main event because that's really the remaining piece. You know what? I'm going to hold that because I have one more thing for you before we talk about the SmackDown main event because I really want to – I do want to spend time and get into that. Your boy, and it is your boy, Tyler Breeze got an intercontinental championship match on Raw. And that, by the way, is one week after a taped North American championship match on NXT where he was a surprise challenger for Ricochet. You are getting an overdose of Prince Pretty, BC. What did you think about those two matches? Massive from that. Loved it. I think that you need to, like, I don't know if we have the time or the energy to necessarily put you on trial here, but uh, Silver King, you need to to take back something that you've said many times that somehow Breeze was the Genetti of the damn uh, fashion guys. What was their what was their tag team called? Breezango. Fashion police. Fashion police. But I never called them that. You've called them that many times, and there's people no, on there's people that listen to our show that can find the the hedge there and and Try find it. that. I Go, uh, you called him that. 
I've said negative times. things about Tyler Breeze, but I never called him the Genetti of you the Fashion Police. You called him the Genetti of the Fashion Police many times. Makes no sense. Nope. It doesn't fit. If it doesn't fit, you must acquit. So my point on this is Prince Pretty reminded everybody. If he didn't already, the last time that we did a pay-per-view rewind and we did that great Fatal 4-Way in NXT from a few years ago, the guy can work. And he's got a great gimmick. But he can work. And he shouldn't be putting balloons in his chest, jobbing out to Nikki Bella like he did ahead of a mania two years ago. And he shouldn't be off TV like he normally is. I mean, what else do we have to say? That was awesome. That NXT main event from last week, if you have not watched Tyler Breeze versus Ricochet, go back. Please, Trips, do that more. What do we say every single time we interview Trips? Well, have you ever thought about taking main roster guys who are not being used and sending them to NXT? And what does he say every single time? Oh, yeah, it's something we're talking about. And then it never happens. It happened. And it (laughs) ruled. Guys, Breeze is great. Thank you. But also, when we're talking about that, we're not saying for a one-off match, although that was nice. We're talking about, like, bring them back to NXT and put them in storylines and utilize them, right? So, look, I don't disagree that he is talented in the ring. I don't disagree that he has a good gimmick and he can speak. But I feel like you completely overrate him as you think this guy should be one of the top guys, maybe not in WWE, but at least in the mid-card. I, see I don't think he should be one of the top guys in the mid-card. Do you remember? I think he's a player. Do you remember when he got called up? And you know, like I said, we say Vince will give you like a week or two weeks to matter. Yes, and then he gets bored. He gave him a segment, didn't he? Do you remember that he didn't get a segment, but he was in an IC title feud, I believe, with Ziggler, and he had Summer Rae as his manager, and he would have that little area on the side of the ring with the chairs and the can the candy dish. And guess what? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was great. He was great. He was great, and then he He went down to Jobber, and I know that they reinvented him comedically with the Fashion Police, and by the way, we loved it at its peak. We did. We should have. At the beginning. Yep. But he became a joke. He became R-Truth, and I love R-Truth, and there's nothing wrong with the R-Truth role, but even R-Truth used to be allowed to wrestle against John Cena in major feuds. Breeze could be a guy. Maybe he looks too much like like Dolph Ziggler, who looks too much like Shawn Michaels, and it becomes you're a second rate of a second then rate. Then he shouldn't right? be on Raw, and he should be on SmackDown, where he's not in the exact same you know building as the guy he looks like. Like This is their biggest... They moved Fashion Police off of SmackDown to Raw and switched them with Bar. Like That was some like even trade. That's the issue. They really screwed things up with the superstar shakeup of the tag team division. But, but my issue is they've underutilized him. Yes, they have. I just don't think his ceiling is as high as you do. They've also underutilized... Johnny Curtis, who is Fandango, who's out and he's injured and hopefully he comes back. That guy needs to come back with a different gimmick. Like when these guys leave and come back, reinvent them like you used to back in the day. That's when WWE was successful. That's when it really worked. When they said that this this isn't really working, we're going to go back to the drawing board. That's why guys should go back to NXT and get reinvented and get opportunities. That's what they need to start doing. Okay, now let's talk about the main event of SmackDown, BC. Because again, I felt it was part pandering to us and people like us, but also fantastic at the same time. So I can't criticize them too much. Not only did we see Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles in the main event coming out of their, I mean, basically a five-star, 4.75-star match at TLC, we saw the return to television of Andrade Cien Almas, one of the top five workers in the company, and we learned that Mustafa Ali, he ain't going to win the Cruiserweight Championship because he is now a permanent member of the main roster. And on SmackDown Live, and not only is he a permanent member of the main roster, 
Not only was he in the main event of SmackDown, the dude pinned Daniel Bryan <laughs> clean after hitting his 0-5-4 finisher. What do you think of that? Oh, man, I felt that. You know how Daniel Bryan's always say, feel that? Look, that was a great moment, really fun match. I love that they're taking him seriously. Like, who would have ever bet money that Mustafa, don't call me Saddam Ali, would get, and I, and I mean Saddam Ali the boxer, not not anything else, Um, would get called up as who he is and would become not as part of a tag team, not as a sidekick, not as... Uh, hey, check out this cruiserweight guy who does flips, but as a real player and inserted into these type of matches, and he lives the part. And his thing that he stole from DJZ of walking in with that mask with the lights rules. And they actually had him go shirtless this time, which he didn't do in 205 Live. I cannot believe it. I also cannot believe you just said Almas was a top five worker in the company. And I almost don't want to bring that up because I love Almas, but top five, you mean that? Brian, in, in in on on the main roster, yeah. Well, what are you saying on the main roster? Is that what you're Ma- male, male? Rollins, Amber, Rollins, Styles, Brian. Give me two more that are better than Almas. Uh, no, Almas is a better worker than Brian. Come on. Okay, fine. So give me. All right, so you're at. Prove, prove me wrong. Prove me wrong if you're going to make an issue with it. We're trying to figure out who's a better worker than CN Almas. Seth Rollins, yes. Dolph yeah. Ziggler, yes. Uh, AJ- no. What? No. Yeah, he is. Uh, no, he's not. AJ I love Styles. Dolph, I love Dolph Ziggler. Not Dolph Ziggler, no. AJ Styles. Yes, that's two. And there's three that's more that you need three, to name to prove he's not brother, a top five. And I'm just getting started. Finn Balor. Mm, equal. Four. But, that's let's four. Put him there. That's three. Uh, and what what is main roster? I guess 205 is main roster for you. Because mm. I'm talking you. about Raw. I'm talking about Raw and SmackDown. Oh, here we go. We're don't hedge this. Don't you dare hedge this. <laughs> Main roster, Brian. Come on. Um, Mustafa Ali. <laughs> no. Yes. Equal ish. TJP. Not Buddy main roster. Murphy. You're struggling. Okay. I'm not struggling. I'm, I'm, I'm just getting warmed up, Brian, bro. Andrade I love me some Almas. Andrade San Almas is a top five male worker on the main Big roster. Big E. <laughs> No, I'm serious, dude. Big E can work, dude. He's better than Almas. Yes. You're high. You're high. All right. One other thing to talk about from these main shows, uh, not even talk about, but Revival became number one contenders on Raw to the SmackDown Tag Team titles. For me, that was just, again, a pandering to, oh, aren't you pushing the Revival? So they pushed the Revival. You agree? Yeah, they've kind of ruined the revival. I feel like every time I see the revival, I think of them unnecessarily taking everyone's finisher at Raw 25 in a segment that was so lack of yeah. creative, and it was just really, really bad. Uh, it should have. There were so many other people that could have taken those finishers. It didn't make sense that it was necessarily them. It was weird, you know. Yeah. Um, um, Chad Gable, the, 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 the development way, that wasn't a- really didn't fit into this changes storyline that we're really talking about here in the main event. But the only other thing that happened that was a development was they ended Raw with that women's gauntlet match. Uh, it was like 45 minutes. And I think out of the five or so matches that were part of it, I don't know what that number counts up to. Maybe it was six. Um, there were only really two that stood out to me. One of them being the end. Sasha Banks against Natalia. With Natalia winning and becoming the number one contender to face Ronda Rousey um, next week in a taped Christmas edition of SmackDown. I have not watched it. 
I'm going to go ahead and assume Rousey retains the title. When is it taped? Uh, when, when, when is it? It was when? taped Monday. So the, they were in California. So they taped show one from five to eight and show two from like eight to ten. When you, when you mean show two, you mean regular Raw for show two? Raw for next week, yes. And what about SmackDown? Is that on Christmas? They did it Tuesday night also. They did the exact same thing. Are you serious? Yeah, next week both shows are taped. All right, can I just pause you for one second? Chad sure. Gable's a better worker than Almas. It's close. Mm-hmm. Close. Sam Zayn is a better not. worker than Almas. No, he's not. Okay, I just wanted you to know that. I stand by Big E being a nope. better worker. Um, some people think Jeff Hardy is. I'm not one of those people. But I I'll guess put, let's let's make this easy because you're Jeff Hardy at forty. Come on, I'll, I'll put a t- I'll put a poll on our Twitter account, um, which is now at State of Combat. By the way, uh, I'll put a poll. You, uh, it'll be very simple. Yes or no is Andrade Cien Almas the top five main roster worker? You I, guys it's can just answer. One of those things and where we'll, I love the man, but top five is a very tight. Circle. Brian, he's incredible. He's one of the best wrestlers in the world. He's great, but you just can't like just induct him and be like, oh yeah, he's top five. I mean, Roman Reigns might be a better worker in, in big matches than him. I mean, it's close. Okay. So what I'm saying, it's close. Lindsay Dorado. No, just kidding. Okay, let's move on. Women. Um, you would have had you would have had a case with Grand Metalik, not Lindsay Dorado. Go ahead. Uh, let's say can, can can you're lucky that you hedged the bet and you took the cruiserweights out. That's where you see in the, there's a, that was an in the moment. There's no hedge, hedge. man. Main, they're not main roster. When I said Mustafa Ali got called up to the main roster. Okay. That's then, what they then said then on true, TV. Okay? Then true or false. It's, it's when, not a hedge. when you made the ballot for our award show, you separated match of the year between WWE main roster and NXT. There's nowhere else to put 205 and live matches. everywhere else. I wasn't going to do. I wasn't going to do 205 Live Match of the Year. Okay, well, you put him on the main Maybe roster, could. so I'm just telling you what you did, all right? Okay, okay. I mean, pe- people, uh, under- people uh, know. Uh, I'm talking about what you did. Yeah. People know okay. about the hedge. I call out mid-hedge, and then we still get hashtag you know Silver King get hedge. So, you know what? Almost every tweet I got during this period of two day, you know, 48 hours, Silver King doesn't hedge, Silver King didn't hedge. They're on my side, buddy. Dude, I'm I haven't here. seen you print out the I'm tweets. I'm the baby face. You don't realize that. Like the Silver Rolls King says. If the t- if you didn't print out the tweets, they didn't they didn't happen according to the Silver King. If, if you didn't- what's crazy is what's crazy is you don't what you're still not understanding, and we're not working you. We're, like this is just real. There was a double turn the night of SummerSlam, <laughs> and you seem to not you're understand right, that. because there was one man who who had the guts to lose friendships and <laughs> right, lose viewership right. to stand up for what really happened in, in those bed sheets. By the way, keep keep telling yourself that. All right, the women. What do you think about that, Sasha? Sasha Natalia finish. Um, and Natalia now being the number one contender against Rousey. I got to say, I loved everything about it. I really like that they committed an hour to the women, and I don't typically like gauntlet matches, but you know what? I was pretty damn entertained by them. I thought the matches were pretty well handled. I thought uh, cashing in this Natalia thing was, was, was a good idea for a holiday show. There's a connection there with their their storyline in real life training partners, you know, friends and all that. The only thing I didn't like is they really set you up at the end of that episode to have Natalia turn on her. In fact, they did a hog and a handshake and then they did a long stare and then they did another handshake and then they did a long stare and then they did a hug and they never turned. And I have to ask you this, Adam, why would they not turn in that spot? Because that could have sent us home really happy with raw where we've been like, all right, you know, Vince segment's kind of sucked, but you know what, man? Wow, now I got to see this. If they would have turned that, I actually would would have said, now on Christmas Eve, where I don't know, I'm going to be with my kids, my wife, my relatives, whatever, we're going to be drinking the eggnog, having the Chinese Christmas grab bag game. I don't know why you have to call it Chinese grab bag. It's probably outdated. It's probably racist to say that. At this I've point. never even heard of that term. Go ahead. Uh, they, some people call it the white elephant. 
Yeah, white elephant. Okay. All right, I never called it white elephant. It's Chinese grab bag. But again, it's 2018. We can't say we shouldn't say stuff like that. We not only yeah, that can't. Doesn't sound we like, that doesn't sound like it's a good term. Yeah, it's it a bad term. It's bad. Yeah. Take it yeah. back. So my point on that is. Now I really want to see that. I would really want to see that match if Natalia finally turned. And by the way, they've set up teases from the beginning that she would turn. Why wouldn't she turn here? Well, because they were going to, it seems like they were going to turn her heel um, prior to Neidhart passing away, Jim, the anvil. And it seems like they wanted to keep her face through that, do the feud with Riot and go from there. But they didn't even need to do a turn. All they needed to do was instead of Rousey hugging her 15 times and shaking her hand, and all that stuff, Rousey should have come out like semi-smiling, staring her down. Natalia reaches out her hand, and Rousey like looks at it, smacks it away. She doesn't have to turn on her. They're still friends. You can keep them friends. She should have smacked it away. And then Natalia like grabs her, like, wait, what the hell are you doing? Rousey pushes her and like points to her title and walks out. That's all you have to do. Create a little bit of juice. Instead, it's like lovey dovey, they're best friends. Now maybe something will happen in that match. Maybe Natalia comes close to winning. Rousey does something, breaks her arm. You know, maybe there's something there that they're planning. I don't know. I didn't read the spoilers. My guess, it's the Christmas episode. They're probably not going to do that. So um, the match, the, the gauntlet match as a whole, if you heard the commentary, I got to be honest, it was boring. There were two, like I said, two out of the six or five or however many individual matches inside of there that were really interesting. I think it was Ember, Moon, Mickey, James, and then Sasha Banks, Natalia. And normally at the end, I would say, you have Sasha Banks come out last and you have her lose to Natalia. Like, are you kidding me? You're really burying Sasha Banks. But it's very clear that they're doing this women's tag team title thing. So you can't have Sasha beat Natalia, lose to Rousey. You, you can't. It's not going to work. So we I'm OK a, in this case let's with be Banks losing honest. and Bailey. They, at least they gave Bailey a reason to lose. She hurt her leg right. and she, she won a couple. I, w- I would have rathered them put Banks earlier in the in the gauntlet. Let's but. let's be honest here. They're doing a lot of great things with the women. This final hour on Raw this week. Great. Women are in the match of the year, and by the way, I know we're doing male and female wrestler of the year, but you can certainly make a case that both Becky and Ronda should be considered, if not have a shot at being legitimate wrestler of the year. We can can have that conversation. So my point, so the point of me saying all that is they're doing a lot right with women from the Evolution pay-per-view, not counting Saudi Arabia, through all the firsts we saw this year. It may be so where I'm going with this is this it may be time to clean out some of the old in that division. And what I mean is nobody's popping anymore when Alicia Fox, Mickey James, and even though I don't allow any Tamina Snuka slander on my timeline, when Tamina comes out, when Dana Brooke comes out, nobody's popping anymore. These people are have been, they've had moments, but they've been relegated to, they're the jobbers on the show that have to lose to the, to the bigger name women. So what I'm saying is from the Mae Young Classic through the success of NXT, there's a lot of interesting women right now. And I'm not saying gut NXT, but I'm saying maybe call up Lacey Evans and Blanca, Bianca Belair and Nikki Cross and a, well, and a couple, Kyrie Sane and a couple others. And Brian, yeah. And let's. I'm, I'm not with you because I just think it's very uneven. Whereas like on, on SmackDown, there's a number of women back there who like, okay, Carmella may not have liked her as champion, but she gets a reaction. So she could be a champion. Naomi could be a champion. Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose both will be a women's champion at some point in their careers. But you're right. On Raw, it's very super top-heavy. Um, and with Bailey and Sasha Banks both being in this tag team situation, that doesn't help anything. What I think will happen is once this tag – the tag team thing, first of all, will allow a lot more women 
to get prominent roles and, and, and work things out. So suddenly Mandy Rose and Sonya Deville become something, right? Suddenly Nia Jax, and to, Nia Jax doesn't always have to fight for the title. They can be a dominant tag team for, for a period of time. I think all of that is going to work itself out. Yeah, they do need a couple call-ups, but more than anything, they need to even out the rosters, men and women, tag teams, everything on both brands because they went too far in one direction after the WrestleMania with the superstar shakeup. We said it at the time. We're like, man, SmackDown has a chance to be really good, and it only took like a month, and it became the A show. But I guess what I'm and saying is they have too many pre-generation women. And I'm not saying, okay, if you didn't wrestle, if you wrestled before the NXT four no, right. came to be, you're right, though. but you know what? They're, yeah. they're only there to lose and they're there and they look kind of look like jokes and clowns. And that, that's the way they're booked. Dana Brooke has been booked into a clown. Alicia Fox has been booked into a clown. So I'm saying, bring up some people who can reinvent who they are. I just, here's what I wish for this on WWE. It's okay that you have people on your roster that have to lose because there's no such thing as a jobber anymore, unless they want it when they bring out, they do a match specifically, but at the same time, the people who evolve, devolve into these roles at the bottom third of the roster, they become comedic jokes. I don't think everyone who enters that role needs to be a joke, right? They can lose tough. They can lose in a good match. It does, but why do they all have to eventually become jokes is my point. And it's very easy storytelling for those people to get a surprise win and not even have it be a roll-up. Like, let them hit their finisher, get a win over a star, and then – you have a payoff match, a revenge match, and people will call it 50-50 booking, but it's 50-50 when you get the roll-up and then you have the rematch and the, the star beats the crap out of them. And it's like, oh, yeah, okay, now they're ruined again. No, you have two tough matches where, like like Toriano in, in New Japan Pro Wrestling, right? The guy, he's, not a, he's never going to be IWGP champion. He's not going to be US champion. He's not going to be Intercontinental champion, right? But during the G1... The guys struggle to beat him, and he occasionally gets a really surprising win. And you're like, oh, Yano's at least legit. He can win any match that he's in. Whereas you get Alicia Fox in there, and you're like, who is she going to ever beat? Because she shouldn't, even though she may have one of the best finishers in WWE. That fisherman suplex is, execution-wise, it's like better than – there are a few other finishers that are better than the way she executes that. I'm but, done with her uh, scissors kick, too. Shout out to – Yeah, uh, no, she like she's actually decent, but – the gimmick's terrible. With the, the the captain thing happened two years ago at Survivor Series. It's over. Stop doing it. And like the crazy stuff that was like ten years ago. Refresh her gimmick. Put her in NXT. Bring up a couple young women. Get some stuff going on. Let her be NXT champion, not over Shayna. But you know maybe she beats Kyrie randomly one time. My point is, there's things you can do. You're 100 right. Uh, we would be remiss if we don't get out of this show. Uh, I mean, if we don't get out of the show at all, because it's been super long. But if we don't get out of the show. Without talking about the potential of all elite wrestling, AEW, we've discussed it on the program previously. It is expected, based on the being the elite storylines, that an announcement will be coming January 1st. Next week, we will be doing our awards episode of State of Combat. So we will not have a normal episode where we're going to be able to discuss things like this uh, and also what happens on Raw and SmackDown. We're going to save that for the new year. But more importantly, we're not going to have another show before this potential announcement. So I think we need to sit down right now, discuss what our actual expectations are for this announcement, BC. What do you think is going to happen on January 1st? What do you think AEW is going to be? Uh, I think it's going to be a promotion that goes for it. I think they're going to announce or, or they're going to have to announce a major broadcasting deal. Can't be something like Access 
It can't be something like a cool new website or app that very few people have ever heard of or know about or have to pay for. I think it's got to almost go the route of TV. Unless you're going Netflix, right? Unless you're straight up going Netflix or something. Amazon Prime. Yeah, you got to go like somewhere that. that people all... Here's my point. And this is something that... This is a an issue that faces something even like DAZN right now, which has a lot of a lot of juice by uh, signing a lot of MMA and boxing uh, players. And now they're Before you to, continue, though, wouldn't that make the most sense? That would not be a bad idea. But even with DAZN, the problem is that you only have people going to DAZN right now who are boxing and MMA fans. So you're not, you know, okay, then if that's the idea, well, you put wrestling on there too and they'll run into it, that's fine. But my point is if you're going somewhere where you're only attracting a niche audience, you're not going to have people run into it. And people running into it is how you build outside of marketing. It's how you build these giant things. That's why there's TV, regular TV still does work because people flip channels and they're going to run into it. Same thing if it's on the Netflix menu and you're like, oh, what's this? So I think it's going to have to be something that you go, oh, okay. I got that channel. I, you know, I, I watched that channel. I got to check this out. And I think they got to compete. Maybe not on Monday night against WWE Raw. Maybe that whole Tuesday thing that they trademarked is more of the thing. But you need a weekly show. And that weekly show could be a mixture of being the elite and a mixture of matches, whatever you want it to be. I think you got to go weekly. I really do. Maybe you're not going to do an every month pay-per-view format. I think they should also, Adam, allow these wrestlers to still work specifically in Japan and elsewhere to kind of help that, you know, but it'd be interesting if they go all exclusive because didn't the ring of honor show end with them saying goodbye? Well, the taping, I think for their next TV show did something along those lines. Yeah. You know, I, I'm behind on watching the be in the elite episode, so I'm, I'm not being oh, the best representative okay, of the revolution at the so moment. But, all uh, they've really, all they've really done is basically tease an announcement on January first. It's a bunch of storylines that all lead into a countdown clock that counts down to I think I think it's midnight on January first. So they haven't really been doing too much. Uh, the last episode, they you know the, I think it's I don't know if it's Kazarian or if it's Christopher Daniels, but one of them you know pretends to be Triple H. He wears the leather jacket. He spits the water, but you only see like the silhouette. You see him from behind. So they paid it off this week with him giving them a contract, them signing it, taking the NXT photo with him, um, and then super kicking him later in the show and like ripping up the, and after Triple H read the deal and, you know, or read the paper they signed and the paper they signed was like, you know, it was a poem, but it's like, we're not going basically. Um, so look, we all knew they weren't going to go to WWE and we've known for weeks that once these trademarks were uncovered by that really smart Reddit user who searched that database and found them good for him, um, or her, uh, we all knew that this AEW thing is the direction they're going. That's key. I don't think it's going to be the promotion to the level that you think it is, at least not off the bat. And that is not saying anything negative. My guess is they're going to open up by saying, yes, we're this AEW promotion. We are. Or there's some syndicate or group or alignment or something like that where they do four shows a year akin to the big four in WWE, you know, equivalent. Um, and either they have weekly TV or a weekly show in some form, like you're mentioning, or perhaps more importantly, or, or maybe even better for them, a monthly show where, whether it's the Tuesday Night Dynamite or whether it's something else, where they allow you to keep 
up with all the storylines and what they're doing. They pay it off monthly. It's not a pay-per-view, so you don't have to pay money for it. Um, but that show happens organically. And then once a quarter, they have a pay-per-view that you purchase, $39.99. That's how they make a lot of their money. But I think all of it goes along with them not having a roster of talent. Yeah. Not signing people exclusively. That's smart. Maybe not signing anyone at all and operating, even though MLW, Major League Wrestling, does have some, I think, exclusive talent, but operating more like that, where they just take the best of the best of the best of the best. Uh, they take the best that they can get, um, whether it's from AAA in Mexico, whether it's from you know Ring of Honor well, talent that's to, not exclusive, New Japan. Second, they should be an all-star game of the indies. They should be what that's all what I'm getting in at. represented, where everyone's trying to get on their radar to get in their company. And by being open and exclusive like that, you have access to so much talent, potentially. You can bring in the Lucha guys. You can bring in somebody who gets hot at... At uh, at Impact Wrestling, you can you know you can do that stuff. So I'd love that's to do that. That's basically what I'm getting at. I just don't know if they would have that New Japan relationship that they could use because you have to remember with All In, a lot of it was yeah, it's really cool to have like you know Bubba Ray and you know some of the ROH guys and some you know Luchadors there, but it was also I mean they had Okada you know and they, and they had major names from New Japan on that show that really helped them sell that show. Um, so what, what you're saying though, is what I was really getting at. It's an, it would be an all-star collaboration that does something monthly and for pay-per-views, but it's not what everyone expects. I think what everyone expects is for them to be the next upstart promotion, trying to be big time, trying to go head to head with WWE weekly, monthly for pay-per-views. I don't think they're going to do that because the cost of getting into that business is so high. One day they might get there. But to start, I don't think but here's how they can be different when they do this show. It, it shouldn't be live. It shouldn't be based in a wrestling arena. What they should possibly do is just figure out a way to to if they really can be an all star league, potentially figure out a way to take matches involving their main guys from other promotions and play them on that show, maybe in some kind of wow. share deal and That's then tough. use the majority of that weekly show as something revolutionary. So the Being the Elite show was revolutionary. You know what else was revolutionary? The stuff that Billy Corgan did at Impact with Matt Hardy, taking it outside the grounds of the wrestling ring and doing stuff like that. What if that becomes what that show is? I mean, and by the way, Lucha Underground, which I don't watch, I know they've been doing stuff like that for a while, where it's basically like, it's like a episodic, it's a real episodic TV drama show that happens to have a wrestling ring in it. It's right. sort of what Vince tries to say WWE is, but it still isn't, right? But WWE is, is skit comedy. So instead of skit comedy, you you make it like it's an actual running show, but they have matches. Yeah, like I think there's a way that they could be so fresh and cool and new you're going to have to suppress egos and get everybody to play on the same team. But maybe it's that era in the eighties when Vince launched national and all the other promoters tried that nobody could get along or agree or trust each other. It seems to be a different time now. And if at the very least, what this does is create a financial alternative for those on the bottom half of the WWE roster who are not being used the way they want to offering you less dates, the freedom to work in other promotions and the ability to be featured in four to more pay-per-views that are major per year on the all-in level, then that's going to change the game and add competition. A lot of people are going to have to face this question. I'm all in. 
Are you all in, Brian? Oh, come on. I'm, I'm, I'm one of the leaders. I'm hitting the drum of this revolution, Brandy. I still question whether that was fully talking about wrestling, but uh, I, privately when I'm alone, I can think about that more to myself. So really what I'm saying is, Fergal, people like you, you're going to have to answer Stop that question. Stop with Finn. Okay? Finn's not, Finn is not going anywhere. Stop uh, it. Uncle Doc Gallows, Carl Maybe. Anderson. Maybe. Okay, you guys have been to the top. Come back to where you're happy, where you're there with your family, where you're competing. But you want them to go to Japan? You want them to fly back? The to bottom Japan? line is, though, it's got to be on a platform that we have that we can get easily that people can accidentally run into. Because I agree. I, yep. You have a lot of lapsed fans who cannot stand wrestling anymore, but if they see Cody Rhodes' name, if they see maybe Jim <laughs> Ross, maybe Chris Jericho, it's going to relight it. They're going to go, oh, oh, I know that guy. Let me see this new show. And if the show feels different than slapstick skit comedy Raw, they got a shot. What do you think the biggest mistake could possibly possibly be? I think the biggest mistake would be launching their own streaming service. Like their own app? Well, like saying, hey, you know, you already pay for WWE Network. You already pay for Honor Club. You already pay for New Japan World. Give us four ninety nine yes, a month. because you're only, you're, you're going to, yes, you're going to attract a very small niche audience. You have to I make think that it, would be, I think that would be the biggest, number one biggest mistake. Yep. It, it, you, if they make it look different and feel different, and it's a really good quality, like the quality that All In was as a show, as storylines, as cameos, as all that. I feel like people who do not follow wrestling anymore, but once did, can watch that and be like, this reminds me of what I used to like. So if they can take the feel of that and use some of the humor they use in Being the Elite, which has been very well done at, at its best. I mean, could you tell me that if somebody stumbles into that? And they see a Kenny Omega work, they're not going to be like, "Oh wow, oh this is what wrestling is like nowadays." Yeah, it would really be interesting. I, um, I'm definitely curious to see what happens on January 1st. But I do caution people that think, you know, I said it already, but I caution people that think they're just going to say on January 1st, "Hey, uh, FYI, we got a t weekly Tuesday night show on NBC, and we're going head to head with NBC's bad example on." Uh, TNT, and we're going head-to-head -head with WWE, and we're going to have a roster of 80 people. We're going to have a women's division, uh, and we're going to have 12 pay-per-views a year. If you're expecting that, you need to lower your expectations. That's what I'm saying. I think it's going to be a very pared-down version of a promotion, and more importantly than pared-down, newly thought. And I think that's what you're getting at. I think that is the key to this succeeding, being different. Now, you mentioned TNT there. That's the level I'm talking about. That's the kind of network. Here's a good example. In MMA, we all know we have UFC. We've got Bellator, who, who's a firm number two. There's always a couple other organizations. One of them is one championship out of Singapore, Asian-based. They've went out and signed some big-time UFC names that we all know, like Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson, uh, Sage Northcutt, Misha Tate to be a face of the company, etc. And they just signed a deal with Turner where the big shows are going to be replayed on Turner, but the other stuff is going to be on the Bleacher Report streaming app. So it's kind of oh, a, that's cool. it's you know it's kind of like they could get promoted on Turner, but if you want to watch it regularly, you got to go to Bleacher Report. But still, the point is they're still going to play those shows on Turner. That's still kind of a it's a strong yep. direction, strong foot forward. You know, absolutely. So uh, where do we go from here, BC? 
I guess we go uh, into the state of combat and we keep rolling on and we prepare for an award show looking back at a weird 2018 in wrestling and uh, that was big in the revolution that I thought was bad in WWE, but we'll have a lot of time to break that down. And again, we just cannot say enough. Uh, thank you to our to our amazing listeners, because uh, we had some fun with you to a degree, but a lot of this was very real and your responses were very real. And we really, really appreciate that how much you care about this show. You know that we love doing it for you and uh, and doing it well, right? We represent Queens, right? I was raised down in Brooklyn. And we just really <laughs> we just really want you to know that uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for caring. I mean, we're just two guys talking wrestling, right? Sometimes we get that handsome yeah. Greek fella in when he's not making us angry. He's, you know? well, it's also interesting, too, because some weeks we get a big response when we say something controversial. Other weeks we post a podcast and we get a couple tweets. And I'm always like, is anyone really listening? Like, do people actually care whether we're on or we're not on? And we didn't do this for that reason. But, I mean, I said it I said it earlier. It was flattering. Like, the amount of tweets from people that I've never seen before. More importantly, I know the diehards are always going to listen and always going to praise us, and that's cool. I appreciate that. But the people I've never heard from before, being like, hey, I listen to you every day. You're the best part of my week. Like, that's that means something. Yeah, that's the cool. people who are like, I don't even watch the product anymore, but you keep me up on it and you entertain right. me. Those are the guys that I'm like, wow, okay, we're doing something good. So thank thank you to everybody. And, and again, we weren't. this is not created to pander to getting uh, uh, Barry Horowitz by all you people, but, no, but, we, no. but we, do, we do appreciate it. We hope you had some fun with the handsome one, Nick. Uh, well, you know, look, he, he rubs some of you the wrong way. He rubs us the wrong way, but he's a good-looking, talented guy. He's doing a lot of right swiping in Stanford, so hide, hide your girls, all right? Hide, hide <laughs> your girls from that guy absolutely well look five star that doesn't just because this is changing the name of the podcast doesn't mean we need anything different from you guys five star reviews on itunes and wherever else you get your podcast it is all about the five you follow us at b campbell cbs at silverstein adam and at state of combat on twitter and bc i think it's time and one more Say thing. Goodbye. Uh, nah. Happy, uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to all of you who celebrate, as you'll probably be celebrating by the time you hear from us again. But Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah, Adam, to you and yours. I know you know sold Hanukkah, but it still matters, all right? It's still a good holiday. How dare you? And uh, happy Kwanzaa to, uh, to everyone out there. And it's time to really uh, fold it up. And, and... Oh, and, and by the way, Happy New Year also to everyone, because we're not going to have a show, aside from the awards, which we're going to take this week. Until January 1st, BC. Okay, don't say goodbye. <laughs> say goodbye. Goodbye. Okay, now get out of here. Right? It's a little rough, Randy. Right? Yeah, but it is rough. Yeah, wrestling is a rough sport. <laughs> we out. But well, we're coming back. But for now, we out.